When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Wednesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. We've got John Paul and Sadie taking your calls today. If there's anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And this time yesterday, I was talking about a 90-year-old grandmother in England, a lady by the name of Margaret Keenan. Her name went around the world because she was first to get the flu, to get the COVID vaccine in the United Kingdom and she was the first of many doses of the Pfizer BioNTech jab that's going to be distributed to nearly a million people across the UK over the next few weeks but there was great excitement because she was the first in the world to get it after the clinical trials and of course it was when we heard Margaret speak when she was talking afterwards about how it was the the best early birthday present she could have received and how if she could do it anybody else could do it we realised with the accent we realised that our Margaret was one of our own she's been living in the Coventry uh, area she's going to be 91 on the 15th so next early next week she's going to be 91 she's been living in England for more than 60 years but she still has many many relatives here in uh, Ireland originally hailing from Enniskillen and one of her nieces, Geraldine McHugh from County Fermanagh, said that the family were really shocked to see their elderly aunt leading the news on nearly every media outlet yesterday. And it was nearly every media outlet across the world, I would say. And she's known to her family here at home as Auntie Peggy. And her niece, Geraldine, said, I knew Auntie Peggy was getting the vaccine, but didn't realise she was going to be the first in the world to receive it outside of the clinical trials. So there was much excitement. And it seems that Auntie Peggy only went into hospital last week she was having breathing problems so she went into hospital and she was put on uh, oxygen and then her daughter was told that Peggy had been selected uh, as one of the first to get the vac- vaccine so she isn't a care home resident she was, she's just actually a patient in hospital and there's gorgeous photographs again of her actually getting the vaccine and I loved the fact that she had a 
gorgeous blue t-shirt with a penguin on it was one of these Christmas jumpers with that Merry Christmas underneath it and that's what she chose to wear when the, the media of the world were taking photographs of her so we wish Auntie Peggy the very best and, and she's right it is a very early a fantastic early birthday present for her she'll be 91 next week and vaccine obviously is now on everybody's mind and we all wait here in Ireland as to when the vaccine is going to start well the health minister Stephen Donnelly yesterday announced uh, five-year age bans as part of the phased rollout of Ireland's COVID-19 vaccine. Details of what has been called the sequencing of the vaccine rollout have now been signed off by the government under the plan. Those over the age of 65 who are resident in long-term care facilities, they would be the very first uh, to get the vaccine with frontline healthcare workers who are in direct contact with those patients. They're in the second priority group. They then will be followed by those over 70 and they'll begin with those aged over five, or aged over 85 and then they'll work down in bands of five years. The Minister has also announced that there should be no barrier to people accessing a vaccine and therefore the vaccine programme will be available free of charge to everyone in Ireland. And I know some people were saying when we were talking about vaccines oh it'll only be the rich people won't be able to afford it but so there's the news coming from the directly from the Minister for Health they will be free to all. The COVID-19 vaccine allocation strategy was based on the Department of Health and the National Immunisation Advisory Committee and they set out a provisional priority list of groups for vaccination that's of course once a safe and effective vaccine has received the authorisation from the European Medicines agency, the EMA, and they're expected to sign off on a vaccine later this month and we know that it's expected to be the same vaccine, the Pfizer-BioNTech, the one that they're giving in the United Kingdom and that they were giving in Northern Ireland yesterday. It's expected to be the same vaccine as that, but it'll be the end of the month before the European Medicines Agency sign off uh, on it. And Minister Donnelly saying yesterday that the vaccine was a beacon of hope. A key part of the rollout will be ensuring that those most vulnerable to COVID will receive the vaccine. And I think everyone is going to agree uh, with that, given the country's experience with COVID-19 to date and the risks that vulnerable people uh, and those in frontline roles in the health and social care services continue to face. Uh, He said it's only right that they're prioritising the allocation of vaccines. The government has followed the advice from the leading medical experts. Though Ireland has secured enough doses of the vaccine for every person in the country, the initial availability will be limited, meaning priority is going to be giving, given to those most vulnerable. And under the plan, healthy 18 to 64-year-olds who are not healthcare or essential workers, they will be among the very last to get the vaccine. Uh, and then the very end of the list will be children and adolescents. However, there is... There is the option to prioritise the younger half of that age group, the 18 to to 64, so I suppose maybe the 18 to 30 year olds. They're saying that they may may look at prioritising that age group if vaccines are found to stop transmission due to the larger number of social contacts within the younger uh, people. So uh, while they've set out this sequencing of 15 different groups, there would be the option if enough vaccine, I suppose, arrives for them to look at the younger age group in 
the younger adult age group and see should they start prioritising those. And I was interested to go down through the sequencing of the, as I said, there's 15 different groups starting with the older generation and those who are in long-term care facilities, those who are in nursing homes, uh, etc. They're going to be the first to, to be offered it, followed by the, the frontline healthcare workers. But I was interested to see where were teachers, because teachers have been calling for quite some time and they feel that they should be a priority and they felt that they should be in one of the first wave of people to get the vaccine. So teachers are not going to be happy they're way down the list they're the 11th in the sequencing out of 15 groups and they're even um, the the 10th group are key workers in essential jobs who cannot avoid a high risk of exposure to COVID-19 and they're including workers in food supply uh, public and commercial transport and other vital services and it's after that group that the the group 11 then is those who are essential to education and that's where uh, teachers, special needs assistants and care staff uh, workers are, are going to get it. So I don't know if teachers are going to be very pleased about that. And then yesterday when we mentioned the first of the vaccines being rolled out in the UK, there were some questions coming in. Uh, in particular, somebody contacted us to say they have a family member who is a working as a nurse in the United Kingdom and is one of the group that's going to be first in line to get the vaccine and was wondering if they got their shot this week, would they be able to travel home for Christmas and would they be safe to travel home uh, for Christmas? And I was making the point that I didn't feel they would uh, because the Pfizer vaccine, you get a first dose and then 21 days later, so three weeks exactly later, you get your second dose. And Pfizer is saying it takes 28 days from the first dose to be fully for the vaccine to be fully effective. Trials showed that these vaccines dramatically reduce the chances of developing COVID-19 symptoms and then if you do get it, they decrease the severity of the illness if you do get uh, sick. They also point out that it is obviously crucial for, for, the, for the Pfizer vaccine that people get the second dose. You won't be protected with the single dose. You need to get the follow-up one 21 days uh, later. And then the question I think that most people were were asking yesterday, uh, will we need to get the vaccine every year? Is it going to be a little bit like, you know, people to get their annual flu uh, jab? So people are used to getting a vaccine every year. Then you've got things like hepatitis A. That vaccine lasts for about 10 years. But at the moment, when it comes to the COVID COVID vaccine, it's not yet known how long the new vaccines last. Now, I know there are some tests going on at this stage when where scientists are going to be working with some of the vaccinated volunteers and they're going to expose them to COVID in a safe way to the virus just to see do they still have uh, immunity. Many of the COVID vaccine people would have started the trial would have been maybe six months ago. So I suppose they'll, they'll start looking at seeing how long the actual immunity uh, lasts. And then as soon as you get the vaccine, does that mean that life returns to normal? Well, I saw a piece by Adele McNeila, who's from the School of Science at the Waterford Institute of Technology, and she says we won't get back to normal life straight away. She's saying that masks and social distancing will still be part of the norm for quite some time. This is even after you've received a vaccine. And that's because we now know that the vaccines available can prevent people from getting severely ill with the virus. But we do not know yet how effective they are in preventing transmission. So you could get your vaccine, you could pick up COVID-19, but you may not have any symptoms. But that doesn't mean 
that it won't stop you spreading the COVID-19 to others who don't have the uh, vaccine. So for that reason, masks and social distancing certainly going to be with us for quite some time. 1850-333-103. But as Stephen Donnelly says, it is a beacon of hope. And somebody says, uh, Patricia, I thought children were not uh, getting it. At the moment, they're saying children and adolescents up to the age of uh, 18 are going to be the very last group in the sequencing there they're number 15 so they're at the very end when everybody else is vaccinated the decision then will be taken uh, to give it to uh, children but certainly it will be a long way off before they'll consider giving it to children but there hasn't been a blanket ban on not giving it uh, to children you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 on the vaccine Sue from said looking at the list of priorities COVID will be a thing of the past when my husband and I are entitled to get the vaccine, he works from home, has been since March. I'm unemployed. We're both 50-something. Have we been forgotten about? We're looking at the sequencing, the list of 15 different groups, uh, Sue. Yeah, you're second from the bottom. You're in the 14th group. Um, it's, they're, they're deeming healthy adults between the ages of 18 and 54. They will be the second last group to be offered uh, the vaccine ahead of children and adolescents up to the age of 18 and uh, and pregnant women obviously are not being offered the vaccine until until the very end as well. So uh, eighteen to fifty four, yeah, you'll be. It'll, but you see, it will all depend on how much vaccine comes into the country, how quickly it comes in. The government say they have certainly ordered and purchased and will have purchased enough vaccines to do everyone in the country that wants to get uh, the vaccine. But it's going to be how quickly they can get the vaccine into the country. We saw what happened with the flu vaccine this year, so we won't mention that. And then it's going to depend on how organised the Irish government, the health department, the HSE, how organised they are in getting the vaccines to people. What kind of vaccine clinics will they set up? Will they involve the GPs? I know the Irish Pharmacy Association, the pharmacies who did fantastic work this year in administering the flu jabs. They say they're ready. They have the facilities. They could do it. So it'll all depend while the government have come out with the sequencing and, you know, who's in the vaccine queue. They haven't given details yet of how the vaccine is actually going to be distributed. We know is that these huge fridges, the problem with the Pfizer vaccine is that it has to be stored at such low temperatures. Now, other vaccines, the Moderna one doesn't have to be at a very low, this minus 70 degrees but that's going to cause a problem with the Pfizer one but it looks like it's rolling out okay in the UK so certainly they're ahead of us on this so we can learn we can look to see how they're doing it I mean they seem to be there was queues of health workers I saw on the news last night lining up getting their vaccines and they had you know vaccine clinics operating in the hospitals where they were working so people were at work getting their vaccines patients were in hospital as we saw with Margaret the first to get it yesterday she's a patient at the hospital uh, so they were getting it so they've so we can learn I'm assuming as to how they've done it in the UK but it's how quickly they roll it out so if it is rolled out quickly then that sequencing those that 15 individual groups that they named yesterday if they get enough vaccines and they operate the administration of the vaccines in 
a quick fashion, then, you know, before long, your age group will be able to step up to the mark, Sue, and you will be able to get it. And I know Nuala was on to say, I'll be 70 in early September. Will I be entitled to the vaccine? Will those aged 70 and older are in the third group? And if you're not 70 until next September, that puts you at 69, which means you're in the fifth group when uh, people aged 65 to 69 will uh, get it. So you will be quick enough. You'll be uh, certainly in the first wave, I imagine, of vaccines when it arrives at Nula. But you certainly will be entitled to the vaccine. And the good news is it's free of charge. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 862 103103. IBEC, the group that represents Irish businesses, is calling on the government to be ambitious and seize the opportunities being presented by the economic recovery to enhance the quality of life of Cork's regional economy. Joining me from uh, IBEC is Fergal O'Brien, who's Director of Policy and uh, Public Affairs. Good morning to you, Fergal. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Is it fair to say that even before COVID hit, the Cork region was already facing challenges and, and regional disparities? Oh, absolutely, Patricia. You know, when you think back to the election, we had the general election in February and all the things that we debated on the doorsteps long before we were chatting about COVID. Um, we, were still, we were still dealing with Brexit back then, unfortunately. But it, it really was, it was a conversation about quality of life, about quality of public services, about the congestion issues, particularly that become so acute um, across Cork City and County. Housing, you know, like in a way, we seem to have been dealing with this housing issues now for, for probably five or seven years. And, you know, we've gone through so much in, in the last eight months, and obviously things will change. There will be permanent change. You know, there will be this new normal when, when we come out the other side of covid but one thing we know is we're going to be left with a lot of those issues that we debate in the general election in February. So we're still going to be talking about housing affordability. We're still going to be talking about our congestion pressures. I think the ways of working and the ways of travel and commuting are going to change a lot. I think our city is going to change an awful lot. Um, you know, COVID has just put on kind of turbocharged some of these long-term trends, you know, the challenges for kind of bricks and mortar retail, how we use our civic city centre space. Um, so we've got to be really ambitious now in terms of investment. And, you know, unlike the challenges a decade ago when we had hit the financial crisis and we had no money to do anything, we actually have money to invest now. That's why it's really important that we're thinking about what, what's the kind of permanent change going to be out of COVID? Because hopefully in another six to eight months, we will be out of this and we'll be looking to a better future and trying to reimagine what the city region is going to look like. But it's going to need a lot of investment because those quality of life issues need, need to be addressed and we need to prepare for this new world post-COVID because it's going to be very yeah. different for our, from our old world. Absolutely. And COVID certainly has highlighted poor broadband in, in many parts of Cork. I mean, th- that's an example of uh, infrastructure, isn't it, that the government really needs to invest in in this area? Yeah, because, you know, Patricia, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for some of the for, for some of the rural areas and some of the regional areas um, in, in, in terms of new ways of working. You know, almost all of the companies we're working with at the moment, you know, that are in that non-manufacturing or non-frontline service space are saying that they will go to a blended model of working in the future, that people will be in an office or, or in those support services in, 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 in factories a number of days a week and then they'll be working remotely for the rest of the time. So that's, that's a great opportunity, you know, for some of the more rural areas uh, across Cork, but you can't 
can't do it if you don't if you don't have the broadband. Five G is really important, you know, in, in 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 terms of the importance of mobile. So it's not just the broadband that we're focusing on. That um, we got to address the, the congestion issues, and then one of the big challenges is we've we've got to look at the whole emissions and carbon reduction area. We're still incredibly car dependent. You know, Cork as a region is very car dependent. Um, so we need to make that city more livable, more for cycling, for walking. Um, public transport needs to be a much bigger part of that debate as well. So um, there's a lot to be done to kind of to reshape, but to reimagine, but be ambitious with the investments because we can. Um, but it's got to support that sustainability uh, journey as well, which is going to be a crucial one for the region. And improved port access is going to become all the more important, isn't it, uh, post-Brexit? I mean, Ring of Skiddy needs to be looked at. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's crucial. And I suppose one of the things, now that we will have the money and government's currently doing this this review of its existing national development plan. So again, unlike the crisis a decade ago, we're going to spend more money on infrastructure, which is great. And there's going to be opportunities for, for major new investment projects in the region. But when we have the money, we need to be able to get things done. So, you know, you look at the, the, the M28, it's a long time in the planning. You know, we need to be able to move on these projects an awful lot quicker, get them delivered like that. That, that, that port access is crucial. Um, the connectivity between the regional cities, so, so the M20 to Limerick is absolutely crucial. And, and, and again, to, to Cork Ross Lair and, and the whole southeast, we, we really need to make that connectivity because I think what you'll see is that people will probably commute longer distances but commute much less much less frequently you know so if, if people are only going to an office you know one or two days a week then they'll probably come from a bigger catchment so the infrastructure needs to be better and we need to be able to be, be able to give those options in, in, in terms of um, travel that, that's not car, car, car dependent but when we start these projects we need to get them done much more quickly like we, we, we see the done kettle how, how long that that's taken and progress is coming but we need to we need to get things like the M28 the M20 um, delivered we, we reckon we could do it in about half the time that it's currently taking us you know that, that would bring us on par with what, what we see internationally Okay you've got an online event happening uh, tomorrow uh, Fergal do you hope to tease out all these issues? Yeah absolutely Patricia yeah so our regional insights event um, normally we would, we would do these things physically in, yeah. in a nice hotel somewhere um, we're doing it virtually but with super opportunities for, 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 for engagement in terms of partaking, for businesses to partake in the kind of conversations around the opportunities and the challenges for the region. But I think look, one of the things we're going to see next year, um, I know it, it, it feels tough for, for lots of businesses what they've gone through this, this year and, 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 and for all of your listeners, it's been a tough year. One of the things we're going to see next year is we are going to move beyond this COVID crisis. But there's going to be a great unleashing in the economy because there's actually a lot of money out there, people have saved a lot of money during this crisis. Obviously, people have lost jobs and and have have suffered as well. But on average, the savings in the economy has been growing by about a billion every month. That's how much extra saving we've all done this year. Because for the people who who've been able to keep keep their jobs and and haven't been affected by the closures, um, they haven't been spending money. So I think there is going to be an unleashing. So I think there's big opportunities ahead for the region. So you, you, you're quite positive about 2021. Absolutely, I think we right. we'll move we'll move beyond. Brexit is is big, right, and and, and it's a significant dislocation. Um, but I think when we move beyond the COVID um, disruption, we're still a successful and wealthy economy. And people who've lost their jobs, hopefully, we can get them back into work with lots of new opportunities. But consumer, the one thing we do know is that there's lots of money 
sitting in the bank accounts now as a result of COVID. And I think that is going to be unleashed into the economy with a lot of confidence actually next year. So 2021, at some stage, might be the second half of the year that I think we can look forward to it with a lot of confidence. On that very positive note, we leave it. Uh, Fergal, thank you for that and good luck with the event tomorrow. Thanks, Patricia. Okay, bye thanks bye. for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. Fergal O'Brien, they're great to start the programme with some positivity, isn't there? Uh, that is Director of Policy and Public Affairs with uh, uh, IBEC. 1850 103 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. I forgot to mention we gave away some of the Salmon Sioux, those wonderful Salmon Sioux safety books that are uh, published locally in the Mallow uh, area. They're just gorgeous, gorgeous books and we're encouraging people uh, to give books, to give the gift of reading to children. It's the most wonderful, wonderful thing uh, to do. And the Salmon Sioux books, the added advantage is you're buying from a local company at the same time. So we gave some of the books away yesterday. We did it at the close of the programme and I didn't get a chance to call out the winners. So congratulations to Breed Galvin of Shannon Vale in Clonakilty. She was hoping to win some books for her little girl Zara and her little boy Zach. They are six and two. They will absolutely adore these books. Breed, watch out for the postman, please. Congratulations to Margaret Smith, Murphy's Terrace in, in Mill Street. You've won uh, a bundle of the books, Margaret. And the final three books are going to Siobhan Crowley of Inchigila in McCroom, who would entered on behalf of her children. She said her children would love them. They will. So Siobhan Crowley in Inchigila, Margaret Smith in Mill Street and Breed Galvin in Shannon. Unveil the winners of our Sam and Sue books that we gave away yesterday. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And some of your texts uh, coming in to us. Hi, this is Michael in Castletown Bay. I says, Patricia, hi. I'm lost for words this morning. Or have I missed something? Not a word about the Northern Ireland Protocol that was finally agreed between the EU and the UK and the UK withdrawing its legislation and implementing the protocol. Not a word of appreciation to former Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, Simon Coveney, Helen McEntee and the whole Irish team who worked tirelessly over a very, very long period of time. What a superb team of dedicated players that any country would be proud of. Thanking you, says Michael. And I, t- I heard it mentioned yesterday on some... Some it must have been a news uh, bulletin that you know, and the the, the we uh, that, and then we found out that there wouldn't be a hard border between the north and the south, and that the EU and the UK had uh, reached an agreement. And even this morning, I'm just scrolling down through stuff online, and I can't find anything on it yet. It's like one of those things that's just happened, and it's all been mentioned very quietly. And and let's move on. And I know today is deemed a pivotal day in the Brexit uh, talks as Boris Johnson heads to. To Brussels, so there's a lot of people in Brussels. I imagine holding their breath, wondering where do we go from here and what. I mean, nobody wants a no deal Brexit. I don't think the people in the United Kingdom want a no deal Brexit, but certainly nobody in the EU wants it. And actually, seeing as you've mentioned Helen McEntee, who now, of course, is our Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, and I mentioned, of course, and we were sending our congratulations to her because she announced her pregnancy last weekend. And that then has led to the whole topic and discussion around maternity leave for Helen McEntee. Now she has come out and said she will take maternity leave uh, next year and the logistics now are being worked out. But I have to say I was very proud of West Cork 
Social Democrat TD Holly Kearns because she was the first out and offered to pair with Helen McEntee for votes that Helen McEntee will miss if maternity leave is not introduced before Helen McEntee actually gives uh, birth. And we only spoke with Holly Kearns on this programme last week. She has been pushing to introduce maternity leave rights for all elective representatives as there's currently no entitlements to maternity leave for any public elected representative, which seems absolutely ludicrous. Helen McEntee announced her pregnancy over the weekend and she becomes the first senior cabinet minister to ever give birth while in uh, office. And actually Helen McEntee, when she was congratulating, when, when Holly Kearns was congratulating her, said, isn't it actually mad that she'd be the first senior minister to give birth while in office? But uh, she's, it's even more shocking that there are no provisions for maternity leave for councillor senators or uh, TDs. And Holly Kearns went on to say how ridiculous it is in 2020 that we're even talking about this at the moment. And she thinks the reality is that if we had more women making the at the decision making table we probably wouldn't be having this conversation and perhaps we would have maternity leave for public uh, reps and Holly Kearns has been has been talking about this for, for quite some time she first raised it with the Taoiseach last July and she's since been working on changes with the Leinster House with the Bills Office so she's been trying to, to have it brought in and now I think there'll probably be a greater push because of Helen McEntee's uh, news 1850 now, concerns at reports that the out-of-hours GP services South Dock in Fomoy and Mitchellstown area may soon cease to operate. Joining me with his concerns is Labour Doll De- Deputy Sean Sherlock. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Sean, firstly, I suppose, Fomoy South Dock closed earlier in the year. Um, that was due to uh, COVID. Uh, and that, they weren't the only ones. There was uh, others... Uh, closed as well. What were the reasons for the temporary closures? What were the reasons given? At the time, Patricia, they told us that they wanted uh, one of the South Dock units, if you will, to be uh, a special isolated unit. And uh, I I don't know what the medical logic for that was at the time. Uh, So they isolated the Formoy cell is what they call it in South Dock language and uh, we campaigned strongly to ensure that 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 wasn't a Trojan horse for closing down the service and it it resumed its operations in early June and we were you know very grateful for that but I had been contacted by doctors and by medical staff in the meantime to say that uh, there was a proposal to uh, reduce services uh, in the Fermoy area on the basis of saying that, you know, if a GP was over a certain age, over the age of 60, or where a GP was uh, pregnant, and I, I note your your last, uh, you know, intervention there in respect of, uh, you know, uh, pregnancy and maternity-related issues, but that if a GP was uh, pregnant or expecting that they would, you know, not be allowed to, if you will, be part of the service. So that would have had a detrimental impact on uh, Formoy in particular. Because, because we was, simply don't have enough GPs. Exactly, and it would have made the Formoy service unsustainable effectively. Now, what I did was I raised it in the doll myself and uh, Pat Buckley raised it in the doll last week because we wanted to seek assurances that, look, South Dock in Formoy was not going to be closed off. 
because we know what the impact of that would be. The net effect of that would be is that for an out of hours GP service, uh, you would have, uh, you know, GPs who would be on the service serving from, you know, over to the Kerry border, right across the Blackwater Valley and over to the Waterford border, which would have been completely unsustainable. Now, we were given assurances then by uh, Minister Mary Butler that there were no plans, and I quote, at this time to reduce services. So I take that commitment at face value that they're not going to cut back services or reduce services. But what I'm worried about is that the sentence in the minister's response to me was at this time. Now, the difficulty... But, but you can have a service open and if you don't have doctors to work, then you don't have a service. Well, the key here is if you are a private company, which essentially are a cooperative, which is what SoDoc is, uh, I don't understand how SoDoc operates from a governance point of view. The only thing that I can say is that the, the taxpayer funds SoDoc significantly and that gives the taxpayer as far as I'm concerned skin in the game so everybody who is a prospective patient in Formoy or Mitchellstown or, or, or west or east of those two towns uh, you know that they have a right to ensure that there is a proper service out of hours so that when you phone a GP out of hours or South Dock out of hours you're not being told well phone an ambulance or go up to go to Mallow or go to another such centre such as maybe what has been proposed as I understand it uh, in, in Cork. And what we're trying to find out here is, you know, why is it that they put a stricture internally within South Dock on the types of services that could be provided? So, in other words, why are they excluding GPs who are over 60 and why are they excluding GPs uh, who, who may be expecting a, a child? And Because and, and up to is, now, doctors over 60 and pregnant GPs have all worked in South Dock. But this obviously is going to affect South Talks all over the country. It isn't just for Moy. Well, no, you see, but my understanding is that this is a very localised decision to do that. And Ah. the effect of that is that it reduces by one third the capacity in the Fumai area. That's what I am given to understand. And the other thing here, Patricia, is that the Irish College of General Practitioners, to my knowledge, has no such uh, guidelines set down in respect of -of out-of-hour services. So they're not the ICGP, as they're called, is not setting out strictures or guidelines to say that if you're over the age of 60, you can't work on an out-of-hour service anywhere on the island of Ireland. So the suspicion I have is that what they are trying to do is to run down the service in Formoy, uh, you know, and, and it's a private company or a cooperative company. What we're trying to do is to push back on the government and the HSC and say, well, hold on a second, you're funding this entity uh, to a large degree people see this as a service that they pay for through their tax through their taxes we want transparency about the decision making process and if it is the case that you're trying to wind down this service come out and tell us that you're winding it down and, and have you been able it. to find out why this protocol of no doctor over 60 or no pregnant GP uh, why this protocol has been introduced for just the FOMOI set uh, I, I have not and that's why I keep pushing on this issue. And that's why I raised it in the doll last week, because I wanted to get the minister on the record in respect of this. Uh, and I, I take some solace from the minister's words in respect of the fact that there were no plans to close, close uh, for my. But what I don't take solace from is, is the wording that says at, at this time. Are um, our, um, our my point, there's no point having a service if you don't have GPs to operate it. You might as well have a closed cell stock. But that's the point. And, but you see, what we want to do is to interrogate 
all of those dynamics more closely such that we want the company to come out and tell us, you know, why is it that they put in place that structure in relation to their uh, operation of services right across the southwest region. Uh, I, I think it's only fair that the company comes out and tell us why they put in place that kind of a, a structure in relation to doctors who are expecting or uh, mm. you know, people who are Okay, I'd be interested to see what further information you get on this. And just while we have you on the line, uh, good news from Allo General Hospital this week. It, it, it's fantastic. And it, it goes back decades, it's decades of campaigning to try and convince the HSE and any government of the day that Mallow is an excellent hospital and we know that the nature of medicine is changing now so that you can do a lot more what we call short stay, you know, elective uh, interventions. You know, uh, this kind of a development would be very good for the future of Mallow. My vision would be, and it, it kind of tallies with a vision that we've had for a long time, is that you could start doing a lot more what I call rehabilitative work. If we can stop people from having to go to Dunleary, for instance, if we could do, if we could look at hospitals like Mallow as, as excellent hospitals that could provide those kinds of services, lots of short stay, lots of you know, what we call elective procedures, where you go in on a defined date, you get your procedure done and you're out within 24, 48 or 72 hours. That's the future for hospitals like Mallow. So this is really welcome news. And I'm absolutely delighted about it because it it absolutely secures the future of the hospital. But what it also does, Patricia, it, it dovetails in with the previous investments that we made in relation to the medical assessment unit, the endoscopy suite and the local injuries unit. And all of that feeds into... Uh, how would I say, um, looking at what the future of medicine looks like and ensuring then that we have the type of hospital that will meet the needs for the future delivery of medicine. And and it's a win-win because it'll help to reduce waiting lists, uh, obviously, if they're doing more elective surgery uh, procedures there, but it also reduces the workload on the larger hospitals in the city. So, I mean, it's it's a win-win. Okay. That's in in a nutshell. And and just very briefly, in, in, in 10 seconds or less, we want more consultants coming out to places like Mallow and Bantry to do that type of electric Rather than dragging people up to the city. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of people would agree with you on that. Sean, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits C103 going to play Santa Claus now for a little while because we've got some giveaways, the wonderful Get Up and Go uh, diaries that I speak about every year on the programme. I just think they're wonderful and they're just full of so much joy and uh, so much positivity and if we could live by half even a fraction of the messages that are contained in these gorgeous diaries that are beautifully uh, produced. We'd all live in a much better world for sure. And we have in total six diaries to give away on the programme today. We're going to do it by text only, please. Text or WhatsApp because I don't want to block up the phone lines because it's unfair in John Paul and Sadie. So we have a get up and go uh, the diary for a busy woman <laughs> aren't we all busy women said the women out there uh, so if you'd like one of those uh, text the word woman 
along with your name and address please or if you'd like to nominate a woman maybe there is a busy woman in your life that you have in mind that you would like to win one of those diaries get texting or whatsapping to 0862103103 and then there's another new get up and go diary out this year and it is a daily guide to good health and well-being for 2021 and it's a diary that inspires and motivates and we've two of the good health and well-being diaries so if and obviously they can be won by men or women so if you'd like to win a well-being diary then put well-being along with your name and address so text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 and we'll leave the text service open for a little while and then we will randomly select our winners but six prizes in total to give away today now some schools have been on to us I want to give a mention here firstly Helen Redmond was on who is a teacher at Bandon Grammar School and she said the TY class are doing a big fundraiser this year and they're doing it in aid of the Irish Cancer Society so with that in mind they're holding a Christmas fair on Thursday tomorrow Thursday and Friday I'm assuming the Christmas fair is going on in the school and one of the events that they decided to do was to hold a little bit of a raffle. So a group of the students went around to local businesses on Friday and again yesterday just to see if any of the local businesses would be willing to donate a prize that they could raffle as part of their Christmas fair with the proceeds going to the Irish Cancer Society. And Helen contacted us because she said the school pupils, teachers, everybody involved were totally overwhelmed by the amazing response from the local businesses in Bandon to the grammar school transition year students who called to their door. She said the donations of prizes are fantastically generous, especially considering the present circumstances. And she contacted us and said, look, I'd like you to publicly acknowledge them and to say thank you for their generosity on the radio. And we're only too glad to do it. So to any of the businesses in Bandon, if somebody called from Bandon Grammar School and you gave them a prize, just to let you know that they really, you, they are overwhelmed by your generosity. Well done. And when I saw that message come in he got me thinking that that's one of the reasons why I'm always promoting shopping local and I've mentioned that over the years that when you have some kind of a fundraiser going on be it a local the transition year students here or a local GAA club is doing a fundraiser or any kind of a, a fundraising activity and you call into local businesses to say you know we're having a dance and there's going to, we want some spot prizes or we're having a raffle could you donate a prize and local businesses are always so kind and so generous about handing items out from their business to give to people by way of uh, sponsorship and that's the reason why we need to shop local we need to promote those businesses and we need to support those businesses because when you're shopping online and you're going to all the big international companies they're not going to be around when you need to get a box of chocolates for a raffle or a bottle of wine for a spot price it's the local businesses that are there day in day day out and they're there some of them 364 days of the year they're open for and they're the ones that we need, we need to support and that's the reason that they are so important so I'm, I'm glad that Helen contacted me just to because they the school just want to publicly say thanks to all of the business and can we wish the best of luck to the transition year students at Bandon Grammar School who are having their Christmas craft uh, fair and also here on the radio we've been working hard to try to 
promote local and get people to shop local, especially now that the level three restrictions have been moved and the non-essential retails uh, shops are now all open. And it is more important than ever that we shop local this year. And that's why C103 and MIG, that's McCarthy Insurance Groups, we've teamed up just to promote shopping local this Christmas and McCarthy Insurance Group Groups proudly sponsoring uh, our Shop Local campaign this year and they're open until midday on Christmas Eve from Osher Home Business Farm Life and Health Insurance and you can find out more at mig.ie and then there was another school on to us this time it was the Presentation Secondary School in Mitchellstown there is a group of six girls at that school who have formed a mini company I'm assuming this is part of their TY their transition year as well and they have a little kiddies and a travel kit called My Boredom Buddy the kits are full of activities to entertain your child while at home due to COVID-19 as it's hard for parents to occupy their children particularly if they're working from home and the cost of these little boredom buddy packs is just four euro now tomorrow Thursday also the school are having a Christmas market but because of COVID they can't open up to the general public this year so that's why they're asking us if we could give a dimension I'm assuming if you contact the school directly Presentation Secondary School in Mitchellstown you will be able to buy one of their boredom buddy kits for the children of your house for just four euro and they also have a big raffle going on as well so good luck to everybody there at the Presentation Secondary School in Mitchellstown. Now some more of your texts and comments coming in to us on the vaccine. Tom said, are they going to start offering the vaccine injection day and night? Would not that would that not speed up vaccination? I'm sure people wouldn't mind going in to get a vaccine at midnight if they thought they could get life back quicker. I'd say somebody would fall out of their bed at two in the morning if they thought that they were going to get the vaccine on time. We have no information at this stage, Tom. All we know is the sequencing was announced yesterday, the order in which people would get the vaccine, but we don't know yet how they're actually going to, what kind of vaccination clinics, I imagine it'll be vaccination clinics that they will operate. Will they operate them at local hospitals? Will they operate what Dr Mike Thompson in Mitchell in Middleton was doing, a drive-through vaccination clinic? We're going to have to wait. We basically are going to have to wait uh, for that. Now, some of your texts in to us. Oh yeah, Mary, just let me stay on the vaccine for a moment. Mary says, Patricia, do you know if people who had COVID-19, did they need to get the vaccine? They actually do. And I tell you why the public health officials are saying that the general recommendation is that you get the vaccine even if you had been previously infected. And the reason for that is that there are some nuanced questions that they've yet to answer. But one of the ones that they feel is the right thing to do is to tell everybody to get the vaccine because COVID-19 reinfections, now they are thought to be rare, but they have been reported and they have happened all over the world. Now, it's, So therefore, they're, they're fearful that the antibody levels wane over time, the natural ones that you would build up if you get COVID-19. And also, of course, they, they reckon that the amount of antibodies a person has, it depends on how badly they got the in, infection. So because of that, they're still all a little bit unsure. And because they have seen COVID-19 reinfections all over the world, for that reason, they are saying to people, uh, more as a precaution than anything else that if you had COVID 
once the vaccine is available to you, then, then yes, you should go ahead and get it. And John from Blackpool says, hi, Patricia, just asking a question, please. How long do you have to be on the pandemic, the pop payment in order to get the Christmas bonus this week? And the Christmas bonus is being paid to all social welfare recipients who are entitled to the Christmas bonus, which is 100% of your normal weekly long term social welfare payment. It gets paid this week. It is being paid to COVID pandemic unemployment payment. You must be on the pop payment for at least 17 weeks. So if you're on it for 17 weeks, then you will receive the double payment, the bonus payment this week. Hope that clarifies it for you, John. And just actually while John has brought up about the pop payment, uh, reading in the papers today, the Guardians suspect that there are other cases of gangs defrauding the state of the pop payment. And this is after a they arrested a key target here in Cork. This particular suspect is suspected of stealing over €165,000 from the state through over 70 fake POP payments. 70. Uh, And when I heard it this morning, I was thinking, how in God's name could this person have claimed 70 different POP applications? And it seems what happened was, according to a guard's statement, last June, there was a phishing email sent out to port, purporting to be from the courts service and it was asking individuals, uh, they were telling them that they were being selected for jury duty and they were they, over 70 people, it seems, responded to this fraudulent email that came out. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
and they provided personal details when they answered the email. That data was then used to make the fraudulent applications for the PUP payment and resulted in over €165,000 being paid out to this one suspect that they now believe will not be uh, recovered. He, the Gardaí, um identified the suspect. He was arrested yesterday. He's been held at Middleton Garda Station and Gardaí from Cork City and County took part in the operation. It's understood that Gardaí had also gathered CCTV footage as part of their investigation. One source now said that the question is, how much of this is going on that we don't know about? They suspect that there is more. They came across a few different ones in the past number of months that people have no idea what's going on. The investigation is thought to have uncovered the relative ease of defrauding the PUP scheme. And of course, the PUP scheme was made easy for everybody applying for it because the announcement was made so quickly and people discovered literally overnight that they were going to be unemployed from the following day and nobody knew how long people were going to be out and how long people were going to be without wages. So I think the government, in fairness to them, got the the pandemic payment, the Coleman payment in very quickly and made it a very, very simple procedure. You literally went online, you filled in your details, you sent it off. And of course, because of this phishing email, the scam email that went out, the information that the fraudsters needed was handed over by these 70 people. And of course, those 70 people who responded to the fraudulent email were completely unaware that all of their personal details were being used in order to claim fake pop payments but to the tune of €165,000 and remember none of those are victimless crimes because it's you or I it's every taxpayer uh, who pays tax that has ended up paying that €165,000 and it also means services that could have been provided for will not be provided for because that money has gone missing and wouldn't it worry you to think that there's more of those cases out there as well. Uh, well done to the Gardaí and it was also the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection, their inspectors. Well done for tracking down that one individual. Let's see if they can track down more. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. We start with O'Callaghan Motors in Kanturk. They have a number of vacancies. They're looking for third or fourth year apprentice mechanic. They're looking for a car wash attendant slash trainee valeter and a junior car sales executive. A preschool and after school manager is required for a preschool in Ballygiblin in Mitchellstown. While under CE schemes, caretakers for Blarney in Ascara, Kilcully and Grenna areas are required. And experienced joiner is also on our list today. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. C103. Now, this year's national appeal on behalf of the Society of St Vincent de Paul is called Impossible Choices and it reflects the hard situation families on low income find themselves in in the lead up to Christmas. To discuss just how tough it is this year, I'm joined by Mary Lynch, who is president of the Society of St Vincent de Paul in Charleville. And I'm also hoping to be joined by Helen Dempsey, uh, speaking on behalf of uh, VDP in West Corp. We're having problems getting through to 
to Helen, but Mary Lynch uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Mary. Oh, good morning, Patricia. You're you're welcome to the programme. I saw a newspaper ad uh, over the weekend for the Societies of Vincent de Paul and thought it was such a stark ad. It had a picture of a bale of briquettes on a table and the label on the bale of briquettes was Christmas food and then there was a woman in the background trying to light the fire. And then when I realised that your campaign this year is called Impossible Choices, is that exactly what you're talking about? The impossible choices families, some families are making food or fuel. I mean, is, is, is that what's happening in some households? Well, both are so important, Patricia. Both. I mean, these are the things that we provide. We provide uh, fuel because um, I've had a lot of calls this week and a lot of tears people that couldn't afford to put on their fire or people who could not afford to put oil in their tanks. And this is the kind of thing that we do. Yes, there are impossible choices right through the year, but mostly, and I mean mostly, um, at Christmas time, uh, because they're trying to do so much. They're trying to do with Santa Claus. They're trying to uh, put food on the table, um, which would just um, maybe, um, you know, uh, small incomes. And those are the people that we are trying to reach out to. And as you're aware, Patricia, this year has been very, very difficult for all charities and especially Vincent Paul. Um, through, uh, you know, our main income is our shop and the church aid collections, and unfortunately, both have been uh, closed down, uh, shut yeah, down. Yeah. Our shop was shut down mid-March um, till mid-July, and then no church aid collections because, as you're aware, the church is closed. Yeah, stay there um, because I'm told that um, Helen Dempsey in uh, West Cork, uh, Society of Vincent de Paul in Skibbereen joins me as well. Uh, good morning to you, Helen. Um, good morning. Uh, you're welcome. I'm just chatting with Mary Lynch of um, Charleville uh, VDP uh, talking about this year and how difficult this year has been, um, uh, Helen. Has it been one of the worst years you do, do you think you've seen? Well, I think definitely it's the worst for us as an organisation because we can't meet, you know, face-to-face. We can't visit people. We can't meet them to chat. So we're doing our calls over the phone, and it's not the same thing, really, you know. It, it's not as easy to make people comfortable or to relax, you know, and it's been very difficult, yes. Have you seen an increase in people coming to you for help, Helen, people perhaps who've never come to Vincent de Paul before? Yes. Initially, we didn't, but definitely in the last six or eight weeks, we've seen an increase in our calls and we've a continual telephone helpline and definitely it is increasing. Of course, coming up to Christmas, it's going to increase. And I suppose, as you said, it's people who wouldn't have come to us before, you know, middle income bracket, whatever, who just can't manage anymore, you know. They're finding it very difficult. And Mary, you'd find the same in Charleville, would you? We would find exactly the same and mostly I believe that it's people due to COVID that have lost their jobs and absolutely I think feeling it's so hard to come to us and I think the one thing that I would be uh, feel most important is to afford people their dignity 
and to actually try and reach out to those people that we may think have lost their jobs. We would be prioritising, not that we prioritise on a regular basis, but we would be looking towards families who have lost their income, are waiting are waiting maybe for weeks upon weeks for their payments to come from social welfare. So those are the people that mostly we have been uh, looking at and trying our best to help. And in fact, um, I'm I'm very proud of the fact that we were able to help so many people, Patricia, especially on back to school. During the summer, we helped so many families with back to school, with books, with school uniforms. I mean, uh, this is what I found that we were doing most this year was the uniforms, shoes, books, stationery. Um, and because um, of COVID, it was more than, than previous years. And Helen, some people find it hard to say, I need help. A lot of people find it very difficult, Patricia, and that's why we were getting on the airways with you as well, to um, say to people, please come. People are giving us the funds to help the local people, and we need people to get in touch with us. It's confidential. We're there to help, and we look at all the needs, and you know we do each case according to whatever need is there, and if we can't help, we are able to refer them on to other agencies. And I would say that, um, I suppose it's because it's a local community. You know, um, people think people will know and mm-hmm. they feel ashamed, but there is no need. Everybody um, at some stage finds it difficult to manage, and we are there to help, really. You know, and like, yeah, um, yeah, because I, I know I had a letter in from a, a woman. She was a, a widow living, as she said, to the outside world, living in this beautiful, fine, big house. And she was yeah. ra- she was rationing her cold and going to bed early because the house was cold. And um, can't afford all. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing about it is with COVID and kids have been at home and people at home, there's more demand on the food bill. There's more demand on the heat bill. Because people can't get out and about. There's nowhere to go. So all those things, there's an increase in the cost of all those in every family. So you're you're both singing from the same same hymn sheet and saying the same thing. A, if somebody needs help, you know, please reach out. Help is there. But then more importantly, for those of us that don't need the help, you're looking for donations. Uh, Mary, how can people donate to, to your conference in Charleville? Well, people are already donating. They are already, um, they can donate through our, uh, it will be on the Veil Star, our um, big and uh, our PIN number that they can get through to. And um, if not, they can get through to to our helpline. And by the way, Patricia, I would like to give our helpline. Okay. If that's okay. Yeah. Um, It's 083 four seven zero nine one four seven and there's just something else I would like to say that to echo what Helen said that we do not discriminate uh, against cultural religious or political beliefs in any way um, we make sure that we help anybody who comes to us and um, 
Yes, and what? and not to be afraid to come to us. You know, um, it would be very hard to sort of approach somebody and say, "Do you really? Do you want help?" You know, we we make it quite clear that they're more than welcome to ring our helpline. We have it advertised at at our shop, the helpline, okay. or any place in the office. Okay, where and people can come in. And Helen, a number of ways for people to donate if they're in the West Cork area. Well, in West Cork, we have five areas: Bandon, with Bantry, Clonakilty, and Skibbereen. Um, this week on the Southern Star, we put out all the numbers because it's too long now to say all the numbers. Numbers, yeah, numbers. Yeah, but you're putting them up on your website. We are right? indeed. Thank you very and much. And your shops are open if people want to make donations directly to the shops. Uh, well, in Bandon, the shop is open. Dunmanway and Skibbereen are um, manning their. Centre and Bantry are manning their centre, their rooms this weekend okay. for people to give donations. Um, and again, if anybody wants to contact to give a donation or helplines, and, and we'll arrange for to pick it up or okay. pick them or whatever. Um, so I, you know, but this, this year weekend, more more than ever, societies of Vincent de Paul, you need support. I think more than ever this year. I think as Mary at the start outlined, because this year, because of COVID, your normal funding stream is is down. And yet there's more people looking for your help. So people need need to remember St Vincent de Paul this year. Listen, you're doing fantastic work, uh, ladies. Thank you both for joining us. Helen, is it? Could I just say a quick thank you to our volunteers uh, who who help in the shop and who have helped right the way through, um, you know, with with sorting out donations. I mean, clothes, uh, donations and bric-a-brac or whatever so that our um, manager could actually work on Facebook, which brought in some money. And well done to our manager in the shop and well our done. wonderful volunteers. Well and done. I mean wonderful. You can't survive without the volunteers, for we sure. We cannot well, survive yeah. without our volunteers. Okay. And to our wonderful conference as well, who support me and help me all the way. Okay. All right, listen, ladies, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Thanks and continue good luck to the work of the fantastic work of the Societies of Vincent de Paul. I mean, they're all over the country and there's certainly there's there's nowhere I think across Cork City and County that you won't come across a local uh, conference of Society of Vincent de Paul and please if you need help reach out they are more than willing to give whatever help uh, they can 1850 103 Dan says uh don't we live in such a badly divided country? I've been listening to your programme, uh, Patricia, talking with St Vincent de Paul today, yesterday, you had Katrina Toomey on from uh, Penny Dinners. Then it gets announced about a pay rise that TDs will be getting. A lot of people will be having a very sad Christmas this year. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, according to well-known TV and radio presenter Bibi Baskin, the pursuit of happiness is a natural goal for all of us and she joins me this this morning to discuss her latest book which is the Happy Book Volume 2. Good morning to you Bibi. Good morning Patricia thank you very much for this invitation. Well it's always a pleasure to have you you on the programme. Do you Uh, believe that a constant state of happiness is actually possible? Well this is a huge philosophical question and the jury is out on that in many disciplines. Uh, One definition that I rather like myself is that you can say that happiness are the spikes that shoot up every so often from a baseline of contentment. Now, I think if we can achieve good contentment in life, we can then put the icing on the cake with ideas to enhance the happiness quotient. 
And that's what the book is about, Patricia. It's a hundred tips of increasing your happiness. Do you agree that this has been a very trying year for a lot of oh, people? my God. I, look, I, I hate to say this. I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday at Christmas. But I think January is going to be awful. You know, when the twinkling lights come down and the money's spent. And I think that's when people are really going to need some help and some positivity. But for, for the last nine months, I mean, it's been awful for so many people. You know, young mothers having to school at home, losing jobs, 20% salary cuts, uh, working from home, getting on each other's nerves. It's been a nightmare for most people. Yeah, and that's why we need a little book of happiness more than more than ever. You've gone for a retro look to the yeah. book, which well, which the, I particularly like. The, do you? I'm yeah, I do. I, I can take no credit for that at all. It's the publisher, Michael Mulcahy. Wonderful Michael Mulcahy. The wonderful Michael Mulcahy. Uh, and I don't know, actually I'm not sad. The bugger. What's he thinking that Baskin one's a bit of an owl one? She'll know what a Polaroid <laughs> camera used to look like. <laughs> I must have that out for them. Yeah, it's that retro Polaroid look. And remember, we used to put up these photos and posters on the wall and there was no blue tack, so we'd put a bit of sellotape on it and it looked awful. A little bit of sellotape, in, which always faded and you put it in the corner and Michael even <laughs> even has it faded in all. In all. It's, it's great. He, he did a great job. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is uh, terrific. Um, where, do you, where do all these quotes come from? Where do, how do you gather them up along the way? Every time that I'm reading, I love learning. That's what it starts from. I tried one sunny day during the summer to not open a book and not make any notes. And you know what? I had to cheat. And I said, all right, I won't do anything heavy. I'll just read cookery books. And I did. (laughs) I read cookery books. So I didn't really break my rule too much. But I'm continually writing down bits of learning. And, And in recent times, they've all been around happiness. And then I make up my own. So the house is full of notebooks, full of quotes that I've created myself and that I've learned from great masters over the years. And I, I mean, my advice whenever I give this book to anyone is, you know, just have it close by, just pick it up, open it up on, on a page. And I, my, what I try and do is whatever I read that day, I try to live by if I can include that motto in my day, some, some way yeah. included. But, but I did obviously for the purpose of the interview, sit down and read all of the quotes, which oh, I have to God, say, it, no, it's a lovely thing to do. It, I mean, I had, a, I had a nice cup of coffee and I sat down at the weekend and I went through it and, you know, I, I, it made me smile. And I think anything that makes me smile at the moment but some of them are lovely just simple little things like the one before you go to bed to ask yourself what did I do well today it's yeah. consoling and it's yeah. it's a simple thing it is but we overlook it Patricia and you know when you go to bed I know that's giving myself because I suppose I've lived all this and you're getting sleepy watching the telly in the sitting room and you think I'll get to sleep now so I go to bed no the minute your head hits the pillow, boom, 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 with all the mad, hectic thoughts. But if you just take a little time out and do as you suggested there, ask yourself, what did I do today that was really good? And you know, you'll always find at least one thing. And that's a happy thought to go to sleep with. 
You believe in meditation and I know on one of the pages you say meditate every day. It truly builds up strength and uh, health. You're a big, big fan of meditation. I am and it's no big deal, you know. I mean, it's not that you have to be sitting cross-legged in the lotus position. As I always say, if I did that, I'd need somebody to give me a bloody hoist, (laughs) you know, know, with my age and being as unfit as I am. Uh, So you can do it anywhere, in a quiet space. And it's not highfalutin. You can even take one minute. And there's a lovely meditation which sounds a bit crazy, but it's a good one. Uh, it's, It's about washing the dishes. You know, when we're washing the dishes, we're normally thinking, oh, geez, I didn't do that yesterday. What will I do tomorrow about that problem? No, no, no. Slow it all down and use your five senses to focus on what you're doing. The heat of the water, the color of the fairy liquid, all that stuff will slow you down and stop your racing mind. And in fact, Patricia, on the subject of meditation, I decided it's kind of Time to stop yamming on about it and teach people if they want to learn it. And that's why. Yeah, and you're launching a, a Facebook yeah. group because I had, and it was it was going to be funny enough one of my questions, uh, and oh. then I realised that that you're launching this. Um, I find I need to be led through meditation. Yeah, that's why I'm going to do the meditations. They're going to be led by me with the so-called velvet voice. You have that for sure. <laughs> and you know another thing in, in that, it's, it's called the happy place. And I should have it launched early next week on Facebook. Okay. And um, I'm also going to read sleep stories. Stories that are so gentle and nice and slow and calm that might help you sleep. Oh, I'm nearly nodding off. <laughs> I, and it's funny because I'm one of those ones, you know the way some people say, oh, I have to go to, to sleep to music. I can't go to sleep to music. No, no, I no. have to go to sleep to speech. Somebody talking yeah. about something will yeah. always put me off. So so where can people find that on Facebook? Now, I, it's not launched yet, but you know, I'm very active on Facebook. So you'll find it in my own timeline, BB Baskin at the moment. And then when we launch it, I think we have to call it BB's Happy Place okay. because somebody else has the happy place. No, no, they, the they book, would, wouldn't the they? <laughs> yes, of course they would. Everybody's aspiration. Uh, the book you can now find online, okay. thanks to Michael Mulcahy. Um, if you go to my website, bbbaskin.ie, and just scroll down a bit on the homepage, it's all there and you can buy it online if you want to. And how much are you retailing the book for? The book is 15 euro. 15 euro. Yeah. And then okay. there's a postage thing. But all of that is now in there on the website. Okay. And uh, how did, how did I, I remember chatting to you about book number one. How did yeah. that go and what reaction did you get to it? It went terrifically well. And even after Christmas was over, there were still people buying it. And sometimes, like with the happy book, companies, are buying it for the employees. And it's a nice sort of a group thing to do, I suppose, if you're an employer, and it doesn't cost that much. So that one went well, and we had it read in India and Australia. That's and great. All sorts of places, yeah. It's, it's, it, it really is great. And lockdown and all of that, how did you, how did you get through all of that? Well, now, if guilt were a useful emotion, which it certainly isn't, I should feel guilty. Mm. I sip of water there. That's because 
I hate to say this, but it's the truth. I loved lockdown. In lockdown, Patricia, I discovered the way I really want to use my working life. And believe it or not, I'm a real stay-at-home gal. And I love the house I'm in. Uh, and I discovered that by choosing, I, I didn't have to cocoon, not quite that old death, getting close. Um, I love being at home, researching, reading, studying, and writing. And uh, that's what lockdown taught me. And I intend to do an awful lot more of that, even when COVID is gone. Yeah, because one of the quotes in your book is, if if you're tired, rest up and take it easy. We all need to recharge regularly. And I think that's something we can all learn from. Sometimes we overdo things. And when the body is telling you to rest, you need to rest. Listen, it's again, as with book number one, it is an absolute uh, delight. We wish you well with it, uh, uh, Bibi. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme today. Absolute pleasure. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. With that wonderful velvet voice, that is the one and only Bibi Baskin. This is Court Today. Court Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. This is just on the vaccine. This is a story coming out from the UK. The regulations there have issued a warning to people who have a history of significant, and it is important to stress, significant allergic reaction shouldn't receive the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. And that was after two people yesterday who had the jab had allergic reactions. They were both NHS staff members. They received the vaccine yesterday on the first day of the mass uh, vaccination and uh, two suffered this allergic reaction. reaction. So now there's a precautionary advice being given to anyone with a history of significant allergic reactions to medicine, food or vaccines should not receive the uh, vaccines. It's common, it seems, according to the NHS, it's common with new vaccines that the regulatory body would advise on a precautionary basis that people with significant history of allergic reactions do not receive the vaccination, uh, p- particularly now after these two people with the, the both had a reaction yesterday. Both, by the way, are recovering well. Now, what's a significant allergic reaction and who should and shouldn't when we end up having the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine when, when it arrives on our, our shores. Uh, it's any person who had a previous history of anaphylactic reaction. So they will be people who carry an adrenaline and the adrenaline pens, what are they called? The auto-injectors. So anybody with one of those. And obviously both of these staff members of the NHS both carried adrenaline pins. Now, as soon as the reaction happened, they were given the necessary um, treatment that they needed and they both recovered and they're fine. Uh, But now it's come out as an advisory on the Pfizer vaccine in the UK that people with a significant allergic reaction are not to uh, get it. 1850-333-103. Some of your uh, texts coming into the programme today. I was speaking with the Society of Vincent de Paul in the last hour and, you know, talking about how difficult this year has been for a lot of people. Now, there's been, you know, a lot of people who have, their work has continued on and, um, they have, you know, so their money is coming in and there's been so much talk about the amount of money that's in banks that's been saved this year. But then there's a cohort of people, a percentage of people who've lost their jobs and who are struggling to pay mortgages and struggling to pay rent and struggling, 
making that impossible choice between fuel and food, which is impossible choices, are, is the name of the team. It's the team that's been given this year to Society of Vincent de Paul because obviously they're hearing from people who are in this situation of an impossible choice. Do I heat the home or do I put food in my belly and it's just a dreadful when you're in, in a cold spell dreadful dreadful situation to begin and then this text arrives in that I, I think sums up how difficult life is and how hard this year has been for some as I say it's not for all but it is uh, for some it says hi Patricia I only discovered your show within the last year uh, and really enjoy it well it's good to have you on thank you for that I've been choosing since February of this year how to live every week on as little money as possible as I'm unemployed I'm living on 203 euro a week with a rent of 816 per month I'm sparingly using my savings as I don't know when the job market will be buoyant again. I don't heat my flat. I survive on two small meals a day. I limit TV using only a battery radio. That's to keep the ESB bill as low as possible. Plus, I have lots of other money saving tips. I tell myself to keep hope. But at times it's so hard. So thank you for your great show and keeping me company every day. Goodness me, well, I'm glad if I'm, I'm, I'm keeping you comp- company, but you really are in a really dreadful place to be, to be living on 203 euro a week. with the, I mean, your rent is eating up the majority of that uh, every month and to be surviving on two small meals with no heat in your house because we know what a cold smell What I would say to you, and I know people find it hard to reach out and say, I need help, but you're exactly a candidate, if you want to use that word, but you're exactly in a situation where your locals have instant ball. And I don't know where that text is coming from. I don't know what part of the city, what part of the county you're coming from, but there will be wherever you are across Cork City and county or indeed anywhere in the country there will be a conference a local conference of Society of St Vincent de Paul and if you go to them I'm not going to say they're going to be able to solve all of your problems but they will be able to help you out be it that they'll be able to give you some money say towards the cost of the ESB so that maybe you can turn on the heating or I don't know what type of heating you have they be, you know, they'll supply you with coal if it's an open fire that you have or vouchers to buy it or they'll be able to give you money towards maybe buying oil for your central heating or even food, you know, they give out food hampers and, and food parcels. But there are, are so many really fantastic organisations out there where help is available. And it can be very hard for a person who's never reached out. And I'm because you say it's only been since February, I'm assuming up to February you were working and you were doing OK. As you say, you have a bit of savings, but you're using them sparingly because you don't know when you'll be back at work. But please, I would say to you, reach out. There will be local charities in your area that will be able to help you and if you're unsure of who they are you don't have numbers I mean if you contact us quietly you know we'll pass on the, any information that we can get for the area that, that you're in and you know and nobody will ever know that you've reached out and, and looked for help and you know good times will come again for you. you you will get back to work and please God that will be sooner rather than later and I always feel when people do you know go to the likes of St Vincent de Paul or to Katrina inside in Penny Dinners or take help from the Lions Club that we were speaking about. They do the wonderful uh, Christmas hampers and we've got the Feed Cork group who are giving out the food parcels uh, every week. What you do is you're able to pay them back eventually because the time will come when you will be back at work and you'll be able to build up your savings again and when you get into that that phase of your life you then will be able to 
pay back to whichever charity helped you out. Give some money to St Vincent de Paul so that they can go on to help somebody else. But please reach out. It's a, you, you, you've painted a very bleak picture of what life is like for you uh, this year. But you're, you're right to say to keep hope. Hang on to that hope. Times will get better. You know, this this too will pass and times will get better. And please, God, that whatever, I don't know what area of employment you were in, but they hopefully one day soon that job market will be buoyant and you'll be back working and this will be but a distant uh, memory. And you look back at uh, 2020 and say, glad that that's all behind me, but uh, stay safe and, and look after yourself. But please, please do reach out. 1850 333 103. And Eddie in Drummahan says, Patricia, I'm a wheelchair user and I haven't had my home help for two days last week and it's the same this week. I'm wondering if you could give a shout out to find out are any other listeners having the same problems with home helps not being available and as I say Eddie's in the Drumahan area. I don't know did you get on to your public health nurse because it's usually the public health nurse are the ones who operate the home help. I mean I don't know why suddenly last week and this week just for, for two for Eddie doesn't state the reasons why. I mean, maybe the home help was out sick or needed to take holidays. I don't know what it is, but he's been without home help and being a wheelchair user, he needs his home help to come in every day. Anybody else in the same situation that the home help has been uh, reduced at a time of the year? I think when you need it probably more than ever. 1850 We were talking about the that case that made the paper of the PUP payments and somebody defrauded it to the tune of €165,000 that they reckon it's gone. Well, you know, God, haven't that, whoever's done that has had a jolly life since the pandemic payment got introduced back in March and managed to get details from 70 people through a fraudulent email and then use that information to go on and claim a pandemic payment illegally to the tune of €165,000. Joe and Dreamer League is saying, what about people that we mentioned earlier on in the week on the programme who are choosing to stay on the pandemic payment to the people? Do you remember the Restaurant Association news agents and there was another sector as well finding it difficult to get workers and some people are saying look I'm better off staying on the, pa- the pandemic payment people wanted to stay on this week because the bonus payment was being paid and others were saying what's the point of coming off the pandemic payment when we could be in lockdown back in January and I'll be back on it again and there might be a delay with the payment coming through I prefer to stay on it so Joe was saying those people who do that that there is work available for these people but they decide to stay on the pandemic payment are they not also defrauding the state. Are they not also defrauding all of us, says Joe. If it can be proven, says Joe, that payment should be stopped. We would all like to be sitting at home at €350 a week. I'm not, by the way, says Joe. I live on €130 a week. It's the bare minimum. I'd love a job. I get nothing but rejections, says uh, Joe. 1850-333-103. And then a lovely handwritten card in from somebody who just signs themselves a grateful uh, listener starts by congratulating me on the 30th anniversary thank you for that and enjoying the programme and all of that and then it says today I heard some callers on your programme praising a bank assistant strongly well I've been meaning to write to you to ask you to give bank workers a mention on the programme. My neighbour works in a bank and I know she's super helpful, especially with older customers, particularly when it comes to things like 
things like online are using the bank machines, which you all have to do now when you go into a bank. They've told me that she is outstanding. I met her recently and I said, how are you all doing? How's everybody getting on uh, in work? And it just happened to be a very bad day for her. Anti-mask people in and out and people under a lot of stress financially. And then, says this listener, we read in the papers that people are saving huge amounts of money. But there are people who have lost their jobs, etc. And there are bank workers, especially especially who seem to be getting a lot of abuse from people who are under pressure. My neighbour, who I hadn't seen for months until a few weeks ago, told me everybody gets thanked. But she says they never seem to get a mention. They get no time off and I've listened to radio and TV and it's true. I never hear a mention of bankers and people working in banks. Mind you, the postmen and postwomen are also working very hard and I haven't heard them mentioned either. And from that's from me, an old OAP. Thanks to C103. Keep up the good work. It is great company. Well, we, the postal staff, we've certainly mentioned on this programme. I'm always singing their praises because I think that they've, they're doing great work. But you are right. You, you know, there's been, and we've heard of retail, people in retail have worked throughout the pandemic and through all of the lockdowns. And you're right, banks didn't close and people in all of the financial sector, people in the credit union, they all turned up for work. People in all of the post offices, any of the financial sectors all went to work every day and they didn't close down during, during lockdown. And it is shameful to hear that they are being abused in any way. And I know people will go into a bank and if they're under pressure financially, you know, to please don't take it out on the teller who's trying to help you because they're not the ones making the decision. I remember back when we had the financial crash and there was a deep hatred for, for banks. And unfortunately, the people that took the brunt of it were the tellers, the people who never made any of the decisions, the people who turned up, turned up day in, day out and worked in the bank, but they weren't the ones that caused the crash. And I had a friend of mine who is in Dublin and her young son worked in, it was actually Bank of Ireland, it doesn't matter me saying it, it worked in Bank of Ireland and himself and another couple of work colleagues used to go to a local restaurant cafe kind of a restaurant for lunch uh, every day and they were I, I, they were wearing bank something to was a, I don't know if it was a uniform they were wearing or a jumper that stated they worked in the bank but something to indicate anyway that they worked in the bank and he was in having his lunch with two others and uh, this man came up and started verbally abusing them because they worked in the bank and obviously this man had been had lost money through the financial uh, crash and just got very very irate inside in the restaurant and these three young lads and they were young tellers just you know, in their 20s they weren't even working along with the bank you know doing their best to pacify and calm this man down and uh, he ended up spitting in the face of my, my friend's son and it was just so traumatic and, and dreadful and after that they, the decision was made that they wouldn't go out for lunch anymore the manager of the bank said look you better off staying in and they used to leave, leave come to work and go out and work through a back, a back door and it was just very unfair because they were the ones who had nothing at all to do with the crash but they were getting the blame for it and it seems to reading that letter today it seems to be the same because people are 
you know, finding themselves falling on hard times and in financial difficulty, but please don't take it out on the people working in the bank. It's the same when people go into to stores, retail stores, and people go into supermarkets and the, you know, with the face mask wearing, I think the majority of people are wearing face masks now, but if they're challenged in any way, people can get very aggressive and that simply is not fair. Those people are not paid enough money and nobody would be paid any kind of money to go in and take that kind of abuse on a day-to-day basis. 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Celebrate a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie Mitchellstown Lions Club, they are appealing for donations through their GoFundMe Christmas Food Appeal. Or you can drop a donation into their collection bucket, which is at Mitchellstown Credit Union. All monies raised are distributed at food vouchers for families in need in the Mitchellstown area. And Kinsale Community Health and Wellbeing Resource Centre, they're fundraising to meet running costs and they're inviting families to get together to take part in their 12 days of Christmas quiz. You can rest Register on the idonate.ie 12 days of Christmas quiz. You need to do it before December 20th. And Kiss Game GAA are raffling a new Volkswagen Golf. You, It is a raffle. Tickets can be purchased through their website at kissgamegaadraw.ie. C103. Now, we have our Get Up and Go diaries for the busy woman and the well-warming one. I just haven't got the list of winners yet, so you can stop the entries on that. Um, Somebody said any news on the people who won the books yesterday. I I did, and I called it out earlier, and I have so many pieces of paper in front of me. I don't have them now, but I did call out those winners earlier. But I do have more of the Sam and Sue books to uh, give away. We have another three sets of them to give away. Again, we're doing it by text because we don't want to block up the phone system. So if you didn't win Sam and Sue, the safety books yesterday, these are the gorgeous books that are published locally in Mallow and they're ideal for younger children. I think under 10 because I think the slightly seven, eight, nine years might be able to read them themselves and the younger kids you can sit down and read them with them so you can get texting on that that's for the Sam and Sue books but again only enter if you have children who you think will really appreciate these uh, books and we do that by text or WhatsApp now to 0862103103 get texting on that and we will pick our three winners before news at one now children of Chernobyl won't be coming to Ireland for the first time in over 20 years this Christmas and obviously that's due to the COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, joining me uh, from the Chernobyl Children's International is Aidy Roach. Good afternoon to you, Aidy. Good afternoon, Patricia. Oh my God, this is devastating for both the children and the host families. Oh, Patricia, what can I say? Some of the hardest phone calls um, had to be made to all of the families. You know, we had to do it during the summer when the first lockdown and we were in the throes of the invasion from COVID-19. But we were we were saying to all the families that time in May, June and July, but look, they'll be here for Christmas. You know, we'll be on top of the virus like after this. But God love us. Come the autumn and winter, then we realised we're, this wasn't going to happen. Families are devastated, Patricia, as you can imagine, because, you know, they have the relationships 
with all of these children who have been coming like continuously all of these years. And they've actually grown up with their Irish mamas and their Irish papas and their brothers and sisters. And like it's kind of their lifeline. They survive to the summer then they survive to Christmas and it's kind of that cycle that keeps them going because I mean, these are all children in an institution and their life is just so miserable. I mean, lockdown is bad for us when it happens as Patricia, but can you imagine being locked down as well as locked up in an institution where they're not allowed to move outside of their units and they're all overcrowded, like all the, you know, all of the various programmes have been stopped the children are absolutely gutted and the families are gutted. So there is a tinge of huge sadness. And you know, Patricia, yourself, you'll have seen like the, you know, the footage and the, the, the joyous scenes at the airport, whether to Shannon or in Dublin. And really, people would often say to us, like, oh, we think it's Christmas when we see the children coming in yeah. and Santi walks out with them. And it's captured, I suppose, the hearts of the nation and it's just so sad to have to cancel the airlift, Patricia, to be honest. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's and they've, the, the children, uh, AD, have had a, a tough year. Uh, did COVID affect many of them, many of the institutions? Oh my God, uh, Patricia, that was one of the biggest shocks we had to face in April. Just when we were gone into our own uh, lockdown and everything, we got the bad news. Like, all in one fell swoop in the same week, we heard that there were really dangerous radioactive fires down in the radiation zone and like and that had devastating effects environmentally. Then in the same week, there was an outbreak of COVID-19 in the institution where we work. And then we heard that the outbreak was in all nine adult and, and children's institutions. So there was a huge problem. And like we were trying to get PPE out, trying to get the medicines, trying to get, you know, the sanitizers, like the basic cough bottles, the nappies, everything, trying to get it out. And of course, we couldn't get a truck out of the country um, or a container or anything. So we we managed to get through without any loss of life, thank God, uh, during the first outbreak and now we're just kind of holding our breath as to what's going to happen um, with this. They are having their second wave of COVID-19 as well. And the problem here, uh, Patricia, is that children with, with disability, and you'll know this, you know, from Marsha as well, they have much lower immunity yeah. by infection. They're much more prone to picking stuff up and their ability to fight back is less. But worst of all, when you're also living in an institution where you're cheek by jowl with all of the boys and girls around you. Social distancing doesn't exist. Oh, my God, Patricia, absolutely not. And they're locked up in their units. So they're all sort of, you know, you know yourself, we all get cabin fever even when we were on lockdown ourselves. But can you imagine being confined to one large room and everybody um, operating in that same space. That's for your bathroom, for your eating, for your sleeping, for all day, every day. And and like so that's another problem that the children are more vulnerable and more fragile. And of course, you know too, Patricia, that when we're in challenging times, it's those who are at the bottom of the pile 
really are the ones that suffer the most and these yeah. are people with disability and, and, people, and we've been we've, we've dealt with many charities throughout the year uh, it, 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 everyone yeah. has, has suffered because of uh, COVID um, yeah. how has funding fared out for you this year? Oh, Mother God, um, that's probably the, the, the least. This, this question all gives my heart a, a bit of a, a sink because, unfortunately, um, Patricia, in April, it was literally like a light switch went off in the space, actually, of days. Our income dropped by 90%. Wow. Now, can you imagine in a business, well, of course, it is happening businesses and some businesses are going under, unfortunately, but, but um, you can't explain that to children in Belarus. Sorry, uh, we've had a drop. Yeah, they they can't they can't wait. Oh, Patricia, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is the thing. What do you do with hospice children? Because for a hospice program, what do you do with children who are waiting for their cardiac surgery or children who are waiting in the institution, you know, for the food and for the medicine? And what do you do when they're also waiting for the volunteers that go out every month, you know, the monthly teams of medical volunteers and everything? It is heartbreaking. But the good news is about this. While we got while we had a shock, and I felt like the bottom had dropped out of our world in April. We just kind of regrouped and we just said, listen, lads, we're down, but we're not out. We're going to keep going. And the one thing I'm proud to say to you, Patricia, is that we have managed to keep the services going. And that is all the programmes, the hospice community care programme, the medical care programme. We've been able to sustain all of the children and all of the families by hook or by crook. Well done. We well done. And you're trying to bring a bit of Christmas to the children. Explain your plans there. Oh, my God. Uh, Patricia, we've been trying to send a truck of aid since last April because we always do one, as you know, for the anniversaries. And, of course, because of COVID, the truck from Kilkenny, Jim Cavan and all the lads couldn't go. Then we were sending it in the autumn, but then there was still COVID. Then coming up to Christmas, still COVID. So we came up with a brainwave. Let's send the container out by sea. So what, we, what we're doing, actually, as I'm on the programme, the lads are down in the yard in Kilkenny with the medical supplies, the nappies, the food, the PPE, everything, plus a little bit of Santa, because our motto this Christmas is let's send Christmas to the children of Chernobyl, and we're calling it Operation Santa Chernobyl 2020. And this is an alternative Christmas, and we're trying to get it out in time for Christmas. So what we're looking for help with is Uh, Patricia, anything towards the cost of getting the container out by sea. And if we get enough to send one container, we have enough stuff to send a second (laughs) container. And it would just be wonderful because the kids, they don't understand why they're not coming to Christmas, why they won't be with their Irish mamas and papas, why they won't be seeing Santa Claus like this year. But we can do it in a different way. And we're going to send out all the presents and everything on the container. We're hoping to send the container by the end of next week. So if any of your listeners wanted to support us in any way, could they get in touch with you, Patricia, and you could put them in our direction? Yeah, because somebody just said, could you mention Aidy's charity, please, as I would really like to uh, make a, a donation. I mean, your charity is the Chernobyl Children's International, International, but if anybody gets it in here to me, I'll certainly get it on to uh, to uh, Aidy as well. Uh, yeah, so it's it's just, it, it really is, is tough. And I'm assuming you've had a lot of tears from the families, have you, Aidy? Oh, listen, I'm just thinking of one family in particular, because they remind me an awful lot 
of yourself and Brendan, like they fell in love with this boy in the institution. But unfortunately for them, they weren't able to adopt because the agreement was gone at this stage. But they really would, they see him as their fifth son. They have four boys of their own. He's been, this boy was a feral child. Like in other words, like he had been raised, like he'd been, he, he'd lived in the forest, living on foraging and he had no language. Like his only way of communicating was biting and spitting. And now all these years later, they've made a little gentleman out of him and eager is his name. And he goes up to Castle Bar. And unfortunately, he like the families are heartbroken, but they're going to lay a place for eager at the Christmas table and just to remember him. But, you know, so there's a lot of heartbreak. But we're hoping that now with vaccine, Patricia, that you never know, like, you know, the next summer, hopefully, we'll be able to please see God. the coming back again. Please, God. Please, God. Please, God. OK, listen, pleasure as always, uh, AD. Thank you for that. Look after yourself and uh, stay safe. And happy Christmas to you, Brendan and Marcia. You're very kind. Many happy returns. Thanks a million, AD. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, AD Roach of the Chernobyl Children's uh, International. And it just struck me when that news broke yesterday that, you know, it's the first time in 20 years that the children won't be coming uh, for Christmas. I just, I thanked God that we managed to get Marcia's adoption through. I think we were the fifth last adoption and then they closed adoptions. Adoptions haven't happened uh, in Belarus uh, since. But it just struck me, my goodness, if we had hadn't adopted her and if I was waiting for her to come in on the plane how I would be feeling if she wasn't able to come home for Christmas so my heart really does go out to the families but particularly to the children because I know in my mind I can see those institutions uh, I know uh, what has been uh, where they are being uh, left behind um, Christy says the smear campaign against Aidy Roach when she ran for the presidency was scandalous we lost a great president in Aidy she should have been president for all of her work and John says Patricia plenty of money for the government to feed the animals in Dublin Zoo and yet we don't we can't have money for charities or lesser off people isn't it a great government we voted for says uh, John 1850-333-103 John Paul and Sadie continue to take your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Liz says, isn't there plenty of money for judges, etc.? And she's talking about judges getting their pay increase. And that, that, I don't know if it's a male or a female, that person who contacted us uh, having a very tough year, uh, says, thank you for taking the time to read out my texts. I didn't feel alone for that moment in time. Isn't that goodness me? I live by myself in Cork City, Southside. I didn't know where the text came from. Uh, I don't know, and I wouldn't know who to reach out to but I don't really think I would have the courage to look for financial help as I feel there are families with children or older people worse off than me and I wouldn't be brave enough to ask for help I'd actually feel too embarrassed or guilty I'll take your kind words though and battle on each day oh please don't feel embarrassed and certainly don't feel guilty and uh, by the way thank you to one of our listeners Tom who heard me read out the original text and has offered uh, to help out with uh, a donation so we're going to get in contact with the person who sent in the original text to see if they're open to a donation 
question from Tom but thank you Tom you were in straight away after I read out the text we have such kind kind people uh, around us for sure and well done to our these are our Get Up and Go diary winners I don't have the Sam and Sue winners yet but I do have the Get Up and Go uh, diary winners which will be in the post and hopefully get to you uh, before the end of the week uh, Get Up and Go diary Lucy McCarthy in Ballinglana in Clonakilty congratulations Lucy Julie O'Brien uh, the Manor Condolan in Formoy. Mary Teresa Kelleher is in Fairyland in McCroom. Tim Daly is in Taylor's Lane in Yall. Chloe O'Connell is in Drum Drumminen, is it in Kenturk? And we have Caroline Jones is in Bally Desmond, and Paula McGrorty is in Glen South in Bantier. Congratulations to each and every one of you. You have won yourself a copy of the Get Up and Go uh, Diaries. Uh, 1850-333-103. Anybody else having a problem getting into a doctor's surgery? Because if it, a text her in from somebody who says that they are very annoyed with the way doctor's surgeries are operating at the moment. They seem to be making a mountain out of a molehill. And this person is blaming the receptionist. Again, I don't know if you're right to blame the receptionist because rules are put in place. Anyway, this person says, constantly getting blocked if I want to try and get a visit. And then, and then when you do manage to get an appointment to go and visit the doctor, when you turn up where my GP practice is, you end up having to stand out on the street where you have to do the questions and answers for the COVID quiz so that everybody passing on the street can hear what's been said. Why can't they do that when you're actually making and booking the appointment? Could they not ask you the questions over the phone, which would make sense. But I suppose those questions have to be answered on the day. Anyway, this listener is a bit annoyed that you can't get anywhere near a GP practice. uh, And most of the GPs now are... If you are, you're, it's over the phone. You have your appointment over the phone and then, but they do, oh, I certainly know at my own GP practice, they do it over the phone, but then if they need to see you, you do get an appointment. But, and every GP practice is operating that way. I don't know, are a lot of people finding it really difficult? People who want to go in and see the doctor and not everyone. Now, I find the over the phone consultation, now I've only thankfully in touch wood and all that it was only once I think during COVID I needed to uh, contact them when my sinuses playing up it's actually when I was on holidays and I ended up getting the prescription that I needed and I was fine and I found it great I didn't you know I rang the doctor rang me back we talked through the symptoms the prescription was sent to the chemist and it was fine and then for I had a review of prescriptions as well for Marsha that was done over the phone as well and that all worked out uh, really well I have been in a doctor's surgery or oh, we were no we went to the we went to the pharmacy for our flu job I'm trying to think I was in for something I can't remember what it was but I, di- I did need to go in in person and I made the appointment and that, and that was all okay as well but but anyway this sister was just having a difficulty actually getting into the doctor's surgery and this person is blaming the receptionist which again I'm saying please don't be blaming the receptionist because procedures are put in place and systems are put in place that they just have to operate by but I don't know if it's common across the city and county or many others just having a difficulty getting in to actually access their doctor to get in in person now is what, what we're talking about 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your uh, calls um, a gentleman called Paul in Skull who is Polish says very upset his, um, 
very upset listening to A.D. Roach and wants to donate 400 euro to the amazing cause. Goodness me, she'll be, she'll be certainly thrilled uh, with that. And what she's fundraising at the moment is to cover the cost. She's not, they're not looking for items by the, mo- the moment because, you know, in previous times, the Chernobyl Children's International would have, you know, looked for nappies and clothes and toys and food items and medicine and cough bottles that got sent out in the backs of containers and they were shipped over. Uh, they actually have a container full with everything they need. It's actually physically getting it out to Belarus to get it to the orphanages that they have the problem with. So that's why they've decided they're going to send it uh, by sea and then get it across by land. But they can't send physical trucks, can't pull out from uh, from Ireland. So it's the cost of the transportation that they need. And if they raise enough, then they'll they have enough to fill another container and then they'll get that off as well. And it is vital medicines and nappies and stuff that's needed. But also I like the idea that there'll be a little bit of Christmas in the back of those containers as well, just to lift the spirits of those children living in the institutions. 1850 John Paul and Sadie continue to take your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 Congratulations, Theresa Palmer, Margaret O'Connor and Anna Fitzgerald. They've won our Sam and Sue uh, books. That's where I have to leave you though for today. My thanks to John Paul and Sadie for taking your calls. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 on to the 9 Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Nick is next. Stay safe. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.